Hey, do you need a UK representative, a Swiss representative or a European authorized representative for your medical device industry? Okay, so you can contact now Easy Medical Device at info at easymedicaldevice.com info info at easymedicaldevice.com and we'll help you for that. So talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll talk about notified bodies. I mean, we talked a lot about notified bodies before. I was telling that uh, it's difficult to have notified bodies, to find notified bodies, and we are celebrating each new notified bodies that get accredited under, uh, under UMDR or IVDR. And today I wanted to have a, a discussion with a notified body to discuss what is making everything, if I can say, difficult uh, regarding the UMDR or IVDR and uh, how, how we can, if I can say, um, move forward through, through, this, uh, through this situation. And for that, I have with me the business unit manager of health service at Tube Sud, which is Dr. Roy Von Hahn. So Dr. Roy Von Hahn, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. So thank you for, for, for coming and answering, I mean, coming to answer my question. And I really appreciate that because mainly we have really to uh, explain to, uh, to um, the audience, to the people, uh, what's the current situation with notified bodies. Uh, we discussed with a, on a previous episode with another notified body, which is NSAI, about also the situation when there was this pandemic. And now we want to see if I can say what's the situation uh, actually uh, where we are going on that. So, But before that, maybe can you make a small introduction of yourself and then we can go through the different topics? Yes, of course. Um, yeah, as you said, my name is Rod van Haan. I'm the business unit manager of the medical and health services with TÜV Süd. That includes all services we offer from round medical device manufacturing. That is um, the auditing and certification part, which we already started to dis discuss here with the notified bodywork, but also um, ISO certification, as well as testing. Um, we have a, a quite wide um, testing portfolio that we offer uh, for medical device manufacturers. And I'm um, the business unit manager. That means it's a, that's the global bracket, if you want, that uh, includes all these services and all uh, the subsidiaries of TÜVSUIT that we have around the world. Great. So um, today we'll talk about generally notified bodies. So we're not focused specifically on TÜVSUIT. The idea was really to see if we have can have maybe a bigger picture for a better understanding uh, of the situation mm -hmm. for, for notified bodies. So uh, we'll try to make it like broad and not just specific to TÜVSUIT because uh, as a reminder, so TÜVSUIT is one of the biggest notified bodies uh, in, uh, in Europe. So it's mainly, uh, maybe it can be a different situation between a big one and a small one. So we, we, we try to cover all those, all those things. So um, sure. The, the first question I wanted to ask you is mainly about um, the, the notified body situation due to the change from MDD to MDR. So we have now um, a lot of people saying, oh, we have some difficulties to reach out to a notified body, difficulties to contact them or to appoint a new, uh, one. 
even if we are already a customer, it can be difficult sometimes. If we are not a customer at all, it can be really a, a big challenge. So do we have kind of a, an explanation of why this change, if I can say, is really mm -hmm. difficult? Yes. I mean, there are multiple challenges um, with the introduction of MDR um, for the notified bodies. Um, Obviously, there is still not enough notified body resource in the market. And um, the, the existing notified bodies do everything they can to hire as many people um, as they can. But we also need more notified bodies being designated in the process um, because it's, it's easier to designate a whole organization and bring that resource to the market than just hire and integrate and train people. I mean, that takes some time. Um, but you, you ask for the specific challenges that were created. I mean, we, we were pretty well prepared on what's coming with the MDR. We anticipated that each and every product and, um, and system certificate will take a little bit longer. There is more effort to be put in there. We were prepared for that. Um, but then there were a couple of other things that increased the demand on notified body resource in general. Um, that is the broader scope of the MDR, including drug device combinations now, um, some changes in classification, uh, the, especially in the software area and the implantables area, and then also additional aspects to cover the economic operators like the importer and distributor. Um, and of course, the devices that don't have any medical purpose per se. I mean, these are new additional things, um, and these are more difficult to prepare. I mean, for for the general scopes, um, we had the experience, we had the experts from the MDD time, and we knew how to train them. We knew the, the general technical requirements for the devices, but some of these aspects are totally new. Um, and then, of course, the pandemic kicked in, and that slowed a lot of things down. Um, to mention two th things. One is the designation of notified bodies. So the, the resource, uh, the available resource is definitely not there where everybody in the market anticipated it to be. And second is that the initial certification under the MDR is considered to be really a new certification from scratch. That means you have to go on site with the manufacturer. And obviously, for obvious reasons, um, that wasn't possible in the pandemic. Um, yeah, so the whole process of initial certification slowed down and that creates additional backlog. Yeah, so we are desperately uh, looking for more resources. And as you said, not, not only with us or the already designated um, notified bodies, but for, for all, because uh, we need more to, to cover the whole market. It's the, the country-specific reach the, the different notified bodies have. Uh, not everybody is serving every country. Not everybody is serving every scope. And probably not every market segment. Yeah, so uh, that's why we definitely need more resources within each of the notified bodies. But we also still need more notified bodies. Yeah, so we, we had also um, uh, the, the discussion, uh, I mean, with, with previous episodes about notified bodies to say, should we have um, one notified body with more resources or more notified body with less resources? I mean, there was also discussion, should we have notified bodies that are more 
uh, on certain niche markets, like one that is specialized on software and other specialized on uh, hardware things, etc. So there are also a lot of these questions to say, how can we cover all the market, all the manufacturer? Is it better to have one big one or a lot of small ones for, for specific things? So do you have maybe a, an opinion on that? Yeah, so that really depends on the manufacturer. I think if a manufacturer has a broad portfolio of products, it's a good thing to have a large notified body that can cover really the majority or even all of the of the product portfolio. Um, otherwise, it's difficult to align with the different notified bodies. I mean, if you have a lot of products and you, you have to have uh, like three, four, initial audits and then uh, surveillance audits and you need to entertain all of that, that's that's a challenge. So for uh, for those manufacturers with a large portfolio, definitely a, a big organization covering um, the whole scope is, is beneficial. For small, mid-sized companies with a more niche or narrow portfolio, a specialized notified body could be a, a good choice. Yeah, so I think we need both. It's it's not one or the other. Yeah, I, th I think it, it's 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 great, and, and and we see that when we are looking at the Nando database, uh, there are some notified bodies that are really having a small scope, if I can say, on their on their portfolio, uh, which makes them, if I can say, a niche uh, for 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 this uh, for certain markets. Um, when we discuss about resources, so uh, as you've said, we have already some notified bodies that had already resources before due to MDD. They have to be trained, if I can say, to MDR. When we have resources that are entering for the first time this notified body world, uh, do you know in average how much time you need? You know, they need to be trained, like for from arriving to notified body to be able to do an audit. Yeah. So. Typically, before the pandemic kicked in, that took between roughly between six months and a year, um, at least with us. I mean, it depends on the experience of the person. Um, and then we, we customize a training program and um, the, the notified body work can only be done by people who are experienced in the industry. They need specific product specific um, and scope-specific um, work experience in manufacturing or design or so on. So, um, yeah, and depending on how deep that experience is, it takes typically six to uh, 12 months um, to, to do an audit. If you look at the product assessors, so people carrying out really product in-depth product assessments, that can take longer, depending on the scope. I mean, if you go to something like active implantable devices, probably the most complex scope um, you can find, there are so many aspects to, to be covered. And very often in, a, in an assessment, it's not a single resource doing that. So um, that may take longer. So and yeah, I think I think it's why also uh, even if we are starting, uh, uh, as we said, we have a broad scope now. If we are starting to train people on this, for example, software, it will take maybe uh, one year from the time they enter. So it's why there are maybe some difficulties at the end for for that. But yeah, we I, I hope we still encourage people to enter notified bodies to get, if I can say, a trend to to be to be an auditor for for that because yeah, I think it's really uh, it's really something that is interesting for them. Um, we talked about COVID. So um, because of this pandemic, as you've said, there was maybe some um, late in some certain certification 
we had the MDCG guidance that said you can do some remote audits, but not for the first certification. So there was a lot of changes or things that were not helping if I can say notified bodies to make a first certification of a, of a, of a notified body. So where uh, of, a, of a manufacturer. So where are we now on this? So is are the restrictions all over or can we, I mean, can you still audit people or you are doing that remotely? So what is, if I can say, the situation now? Mm. So besides the new certification on the MDR, most of the existing manufacturers already had certificates, MDD certificates, and of course, ISO 1345 certificates. Those certificates anyway need to be maintained. And we established remote auditing procedures that were um, amended or, or we have on-site aspects um, added to that um, to, to at least maintain the certification status as is. For the initial certification, as you said, uh, that was challenging in the pandemic. Currently, um, we, we can carry out these audits again with some restrictions, but I would say it's 80% um, we, we can do that. Um, there are still, of course, challenges with that. I mean, more of the people are working from home. Uh, that changes the how you conduct an audit if if you don't get all the people that are necessary for an audit together. Um, but it's it's doable. Yeah, it, currently it's it's doable, and we hope that um, we don't go into full lockdown again, where we really cannot access the facilities. That that would be again a uh, um, some challenging, additionally challenging situation, of course. So uh, we have also the question and, and uh, uh, related to, to that, it's, it's about unannounced audits. So, uh, I mean, I, I suppose that during this pandemic, coming to an unannounced audit to a company is, can be challenging because you arrive and nobody's there, everybody's remote working from home. So how are you managing that actually? Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's indeed um, a challenge in in um, setting that up because the concept of the unannounced audits has the expectation that you go to a facility, you get access, and you meet the relevant people. Now, during the pandemic, and even now, um, that's not so clear. First, it's not clear if you get access at all, and second, um, you don't know if the people you need for performing that audit, for looking at the aspects you you are um, supposed to look at, if these people are really there. I mean, so many people are now working from home, and um, if you if you look at a country like the U.S., it's not like you call someone and you wait a half an hour, and no, they might be some flight hours away, yeah? I mean, it's it's not like, um, okay, then we do it in the afternoon or so. Yeah. So that's a real challenge. And and currently um, to, to perform these unannounced audits, we need to anticipate, um, is the company um, really ready to, to receive us, receive our audit team and um, can we conduct it? So that is definitely slowing down. 
Yeah, yeah, I imagine that uh, even making this this investigation to see if they are ready. I mean, how can you do that without telling them that you are coming? It's more it's more about <laughs> this situation. But I can understand that. I I mean, we hope that it will be um, uh, getting um, better. But uh, yeah, I I can suppose that even remote audit, an announced remote audit, is not really something that you can do because you have to see the products, you have to see the facility and everything. So it's uh, it's really a, a challenge uh, here. Um, in terms of, uh, we said we talked about this shortage of notified bodies, this situation about the pandemic, etc. Um, I mean, myself, I'm 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 having a lot of customers that are are calling us, and the first thing they are telling us is it worth to go to the European market now, or should we go already to the US market because it's more stable? They already know, if I can say, the situation there. The the the. How, how it will be moving forward. There is no kind of uh, change in regulation, et cetera. So um, what would you say uh, to people that are having this question? I mean, they, they are trying to, I mean, which is understandable. They are really having a, a budget, a strategy and everything, and they want to know what is coming and how they can place their device in the market. So between US, EU, what, what is, if I can say, the, the, the answer we should provide to them now? Yeah. So interesting enough, I mean, that that was a discussion that came up very early in the MDR development. Um, so when the the first outlines and drafts of the MDR were available and it, it was kind of clear where it goes, um, it was already discussed in the market. Oh, well, then, especially for the innovative products, uh, the situation between the US market and Europe will flip. I mean, MDD typically allowed more flexibility, faster time to market with innovative products, and FDA had the reputation of being uh, kind of slow in, in that aspect. Um, and parts of industry already anticipated that that will flip under the MBR, regardless of the pandemic situation or not. Now, I think that's not necessarily the case. It really depends um, on the planning. In in principle, um, the MDR still allows innovative devices and new applications um, being on the market quite quick. However, it needs a more diligent planning process. Yeah, you need to align with your notified body about the timelines, and you definitely need to keep the timelines because the notified bodies have less flexibility. Um, but we um, we also see that if uh, the planning is is done well and way in, ad in advance and the notified body can reserve the resources for the reviews then um, it's still possible and it's it's still a good way of starting in the european union so it means contacting your notified body earlier having a discussion with them and Listen, if I can say, seeing if if we can really go as as we said also, uh, notified bodies cannot give you guidance in terms of uh, your strategy or this kind of thing. But uh, you, you can have, I can say, a planning with or build a planning with them to say as soon as you have this information, then you can start mm -hmm. to do that and you can start to contact us and you can start we can start to audit you. I mean, having that on track instead of contacting them at when you are have everything ready and say, okay, now okay, well, how can you help us? So many, it's, it's preparation, as, as you mentioned. So um, it's, it's yeah. good if I can say if a project is like two, three years before it's arrived to the market, but for people that want to go immediately on the market, it's maybe more challenging for them because currently we have really, as you, we said, a shortage, but I suppose 
the timing also in the US is not is the same. So it will take also a lot of time for the FDA to review the documentation, to check everything, and to place the document on the market, uh, the product on the market. So we can see that it will be maybe similar in terms of that. But yeah, as you said, let's let's try to have some planning uh, for that. But um, this innovation flip, if I can say, is something that we will maybe see in few years to say, yeah, things that are new arrive to the US, but not already in Europe. But I, sh I suppose it will not be for a long time. Yeah, I think uh, Europe is is a uh, big enough market to be attractive for these kind of uh, innovative things. Um, and therefore, I I expect and I, I really hope that we don't see that flip to that extent. Um, and um, as I said, I mean, it's a matter of preparation and it's not only about the single product, but the whole product portfolio, how to transition what's already there into MDR and how to add uh, the products. That needs to be strategically planned. Um, and then if, if the respective notified body can prepare the resources for such a transition or initial um, certification, then um, it, it's not really a problem. Yeah. Um, one difficult question maybe for you <laughs> is, uh, is a question that everybody is asking me because uh, when we are trying to work on, on, on projects, uh, uh, then we say, oh, we have to, if I can say, make the budget for the consulting phase where we have to create the documentation, do the test, everything. And then there is the budget for notified bodies. So how much I should budget for my notified bodies? And the answer we have actually is, I don't know. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. mainly we had some experience under MDD, so we knew about the prices approximately, etc. Now it's more difficult for us as consultants to say it will be approximately this budget or that budget without talking directly to the notified body. So can you help us in that case? How can we talk about budget with notified bodies when, yeah, when we are mm -hmm. starting, if I can say, to move to this EU MDR? Yeah, um, I think it's... It depends a little bit on the products we are talking about. If these are products that are established in the market and where the, the scopes or the also the, the risk um, category didn't change too much to uh, the MDD part, well, then you can probably add like 30% as a rule of thumb, um, I would say, for your budgeting. Um, but the, the devil is in the details. Um, because also the notified body only knows after the application the really the all the details um, that needs to be considered. Yeah. So um, for uh, products that change their um, their risk rating or classification and uh, where additional um, requirements apply, like the cybersecurity um, things or other aspects that are specifically mentioned on the MDR. That's really a challenge because we don't have the also the experience um, to to give ballpark numbers even. Yeah, but I mean, what, what's very clear, a, a reliable quote you will only get after the application if, if really all the detailed aspects of the device are fleshed out and the notified body has the, the complete overview what to be considered. And, and uh, so it's a challenge for, for both sides. I mean, yeah. uh, for the manufacturers, for sure, for the notified bodies as well to anticipate the right amount of resources 
being necessary for a project. And one thing that is also important to understand is that normally you cannot apply to multiple notified bodies. You have to apply to one. So you, you cannot get the budget, the final budget, until you really apply to it. But when you apply to this notified body and they give you the budgets, if you don't agree, can you go back and <laughs> apply to another one? So how is it working on that case? Yeah. Um, yes, of course, you can withdraw your application. Um, but you're right. I mean, the, the challenge is the application is a kind of legal act um, that is binding the manufacturer to the notified body as long as that application is valid. So during that time, um, you're not allowed to apply with the same product on, and the same scope to another notified body. Yeah. So it is necessary that the manufacturers contact the notified bodies early, that they get an idea of what the effort is. And for many manufacturers, the, the budget in terms of money is one aspect. Most, in most cases, the time, the budget of time is even more crucial because if you have a business plan behind it um, with a certain expectation on time to market, or if you have existing products in the market, you depend on these revenues coming in for the manufacturer, right? So the probably in, in this time now, and within the next two, three years, the timing is even more important uh, than the pure number in euros or dollars. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that uh, if, if, a, notifi if uh, a manufacturer uh, has maybe a delay between his MDD certificate and his MDR certificate, there is maybe a gap of three, four, five, six months before he is renewing. During that time, he cannot get a revenue because he has no certification, so he cannot get some money. So it's why, it's why it's really important, as you mentioned, to have some kind of business plan to understand that if you don't have it, you have a loss of revenue, and then it's, it's a, a bigger situation for you than just uh, thinking of the budget and, uh, and having that in mind. But um, it's, it's, I think a lot of challenge is also for new manufacturers that were not for example, under TUV or under any other notified bodies that arrive now to the market now today and say, I am a startup. I want to have this product on the market. I need a notified body. I don't know how this is working. So how can I go there? So do you have an advice for those ones when they are trying to go to contact a notified body? Yeah. Contact uh, the notified body very early in your process. Um, not because they can already give you advice. I mean, we are not allowed to do that. And there is a very strict line. We draw no, no uh, advice, no consulting. But get in contact, try to understand how the system works. Um, for a startup, I would also recommend get help uh, from outside. I mean, there are a lot of consultants uh, that can help. They, they know the process. Uh, it's not an easy one to understand regulatory requirements. And it's more than the um, just the, the quality management system you need. Uh, the regulatory requirements are, are much more and, and the expectation is, is higher. So um, yeah, get, get this help. And especially in, we mentioned business planning before, but especially for startups, budget these things. I mean, your investors need to be aware there is a significant effort to take in terms of money, but even more in terms of time and get that aligned very soon in the process. Yeah, and then make sure reserve 
the resources so that when the product is ready and startups especially depend on this time to market aspect that the notified body of your choice is ready to review it and go through the process and with the first product expect some um, some uh, iterations in the approval or before you get your certificate because you cannot expect to go through the process for the first time and have no uh, no rejects or no no findings so uh, is there also an advice in terms of when to contact notified bodies in, in terms of should we contact them before we have done some kind of testing or feasibility or should we contact notified bodies after we finalize our clinical investigation or clinical e evaluation or should we contact just after we finalize the quality management system so is there a good timing or should we contact a notified body really early even if we have not finished everything just as you've said to reserve some time to say let's reserve some time in one year or in one year and a half uh, to make this uh, this audit so that we have already a date if i can say for our project so what is your advice on that Yeah, so the certification process until you get your notified body certificate is anyway um, typically in different steps. So you would start with a quality management certificate. So that is where you can get your, your first contact point to your notified body um, because the notified bodies typically also offer the 1345 certification yeah. and you, you would start with that. So that's um that's anyway a good good idea to to get your quality management certificate with notified body when you know already know europe is your market um and then if you have established that um relationship for the quality management certificate uh, certification then really early start to discuss about the products you are supposed to develop not because um, we could tell you anything about how to do it. We will not, definitely. <laughs> But as you said, it's about the planning and having the resources ready. So, uh, yeah, because first, as, as you said, we, we have to understand which products uh, will be manufactured. Then you have to identify the resource that is matching this product. So we call, uh, we have the MDR code. So you have to have a person matching this MDR code. And then this person should be available. So we have to kind of reserve some time for, for that. It's, it's better to do that than to contact notified bodies when we are having everything ready now. We say now we have our quality management system. We have done our clinical evaluation. We have done all the documentation, clinical file. Okay, now I contact notified body. So there, I suppose there will be a gap then because the time you receive the application to the time you plan the audit will be really long here. Um, the question is also for Annex 16 products. Uh, now there is no common specification available for Annex 16 products. So... Mm. When we contact notified bodies, they say to us, first, we have to wait for the common specification, and then we can start the application for that. So is there also something similar that we can do here to before the common specification are, are, are available that we contact notified body and say, we want to plan for it as soon as it's, uh, it's available? Yeah, I mean, that's really a challenge. I mean, here are two things that are new. The... the devices um, that are looked at um, and of course the manufacturers who typically if they are if they don't have medical devices in their portfolio as well they are typically not really used to 
this kind of um, certification. And then the, um, the missing guidance or requirements. I mean, exactly. the common specification are requirements uh, in the MDR. And uh, obviously, we need those requirements before we can even um, go to uh, start the certification process. Yeah. So, we, so uh, that, that's, that's a kind of double challenging situation here. Yeah. So we cannot con uh, can we contact a notified body before or should we wait that the common specifications are, are available? Um, you, I think um, it is, there is value in contacting the notified body before. Um, first of all, to check with the notified body if they will be active in that scope. Okay. I mean, it, they typically notified bodies have an idea of what are the scopes they are um, they they want to go for. Yeah, uh, even though the requirements are not there, so you want to make sure um, you you have. Uh, kind of a short list of those who will be able to cover your uh, product and probably not only one product, but um, your product portfolio. Yeah, so there is definitely value in getting there. And then um, as soon as the, the common specifications are available, then start the certification process. Yeah, and the challenge here is that they say that you have to apply those common specifications and get your certificate within six months. Is it realistic six months after the common specification are published to have a notified body to get audited for quality management system and to get audited for a technical file? I mean, for me, no, but maybe you have a solution here. Yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, without knowing what the common specifications say, and, and that might also be very different in, in the level of detail depending on the product, Um, so for some products, I think it's doable. Um, for other products, um, that might be a real challenge and probably even impossible. Yeah. So uh, let's see first that, I mean, it's planned actually, the common specification are planned for Q1 2022. Uh, so let's see when they will be published and then we'll, we'll see that because they have to be published for each category of devices on Annex 16. Uh, so yeah. as soon as they are published, then we'll have a better understanding. Um, I have a last one, which is um, we have CubeSuite that is um, accredited for MDR, but now you are also accredited for IVDR. So we had this, lately we had this um, IVDR proposal to delay some uh, date of application for certain classification of uh, IVDR products. Um, so is this something that uh, is helping notified bodies or helping manufacturers or What is your opinion on this proposal? So is this something that mm. is really needed? Yeah, I think the, the category to think in is, does it help the market? I mean, yeah. we want to maintain the products being available on the market and we want to have the new products entering the market. Yeah, so um, here, it, th that should be the, the angle uh, that we take for looking at that. Um, now, yes, measures like that can help. Um, that, that's that's for sure. And and to understand, um, it's important to see that the situation with IVDR is different to the MDR. Yeah. In MDR, um, we have 80% of the market was already covered by the regulatory requirements of MDD, and it's an upgrade. It's yeah. It it's difficult, but um, 
80% of the manufacturers and 80% of the um, products under MDR have been under regulatory requirements before. That is completely different than IVDR. Yeah. IVDR is now taking products into consideration that never have been under regulatory requirements. They had to have a um, quality management system, but beyond that, it was a self-declared uh, compliance with the requirements. And that is completely different for the manufacturers. So a lot of these manufacturers um, need to have a very steep learning curve on how to deal with regulatory requirements. Um, and that slows down the certification process, of course. Uh, so um, therefore, a, a staggered approach on how these devices will be covered or will will come under the MDR, um, the IVDR um, can help to smoothen out this challenge we have there with the um, transition from IVDD to IVDR. And we had also the, the same challenge as for MDR at the beginning. It was the number of notified bodies. Uh, we are, there are six notified bodies now. Uh, I think there were 17 under the IVDD, now six under the IVDR. But under IVDD, we had maybe 30% of the products that needed a notified body. Now it's more like 70 to 80% of the products that need a notified yeah. body. So here we see if I can set difficulty just with those numbers. So it's mainly something that can be a, can be a problem. So uh, yeah, we'll see if I can say with this uh, staggering, if, uh, if it's helping. Um, but for now, class A devices, which is still self-certified, uh, they are still, um, uh, should be still in place by, by 26th of May, 2022. And then the other ones will come uh, one year or two years later, uh, which uh, then yeah, we'll see if I can say if this helps or, or not. But uh, even if there is a staggering, please uh, follow, if I can say, uh, start your process now, as we talked about, contact your notified bodies, try to have uh, a plan in place because uh, don't wait until the end to start really to discuss with, uh, with your notified bodies about that. Um, yeah. Okay, so um, I think we covered, I hope, all the questions that maybe people were asking about, about Notified Bodies. And really thank you for that because uh, it's, it's providing really a lot of uh, highlight, if I can say, for, for, for the audience to understand what's the situation, how they can maybe also uh, go through, through all that. Um, I just wanted to ask you, is there any last point that maybe we should mention or we should alert people about, about, about that? Mm. Yeah, so uh, there is one topic that is an example on how we um, need to not only focus on the immediate problems that we have um, and the challenges at hand with the pandemic and with the MDR, IVDR introduction, but also to look a little bit ahead and try to anticipate what are the next topics coming um, to be considered within your organization. Um, an example from the past that, that now materializes is, for instance, cybersecurity, something yeah. we talked about for a long time. And now we see specific requirements um, for the products in the, in the expectations of the conformity assessment and so on. So one of the big next things we see coming, and medical devices are probably not the the first in line here, but sooner or later they will be affected is sustainability. And so that would also be um, relevant for the manufacturers and for us to understand the expectations of the market of the manufacturers in that, uh, in these terms. Um, 
And uh, therefore, I would like to, to give that as a kind of outlook um, to, to the more the far horizon here. Uh, but it's definitely something we should be prepared for on the manufacturing side as well as the certifier and notified body side. Yeah, I, I think I've, there are a lot of standard or not standard legislation that uh, are also ongoing. I mean, coming. We talked about artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, as you said. So sustainability, I think, is global. It's not really only for medical devices. But I think, yeah, at one, at certain point, we'll have maybe also this uh, this element on scope. I mean, we have some manufacturers that have already that on scope, and they are really applying that. Uh, we just have maybe to um, see that more broader and, and with all the, the other. Uh, manufacturer. So um, we said also that um, so you are, um, uh, how to say, MDR, IVDR, you are doing cybersecurity with some, uh, some, uh, some support, if I can say, for cybersecurity with laboratories. So uh, we have a, a big portfolio of activities, as you said, also laboratories that are doing some, some tests, etc. Um, is there anything on sustainability on that? Um, yes, we are. I mean, that, that's a group-wide, TÜBSUIT group-wide initiative internally um, to do two things in terms of sustainability. One is we need to anticipate the market needs. So what kind of certificates or, or um, assessments are needed? And some industries, especially the high volume industries and product manufacturing are ahead of medical devices for good reasons. I mean, medical device typically doesn't scale as um, mobility, automotive or consumer products. Yeah, so there is a good reason. But now we are developing um, services for the manufacturers. And then, of course, uh, we also take uh, the look inside what can we do to go into more, make our own organization more sustainable? And, and interesting enough, one of the aspects um, that came up during the pandemic is the remote auditing. I mean, yeah. that, uh, immediately it's, it's obvious that that's a very interesting topic um, to look at under sustainability criteria because less travel, less sending around the people, um, and another aspect that might be even more important in that context is the efficient use of the, the expert's time now for the manufacturers for uh, that reduces the pressure on the resources needed. And not only that, that has a, all the, the typical sustainability impacts, positive impacts here, um, it's also would reduce cost in the system. So, so do you think for related to remote audit, do you think this will be becoming uh, the norm, the standard that will be happening for, for notified bodies in, in certain future or with certain rules? Um, I hope so. Uh, the the uh, experience we made during the pandemic for remote auditing, remote assessment, remote inspections are quite positive. If it's technically set up in the right way, uh, you can achieve a lot. But we also need to manage the expectations here. You cannot replace on-site visits. Yeah. Um, and we know that from the incidents in the market, it is essential that you look at manufacturing sites, you look at how it really looks with the manufacturer, how they work. So you cannot eliminate that on-site aspect. But there is a significant amount of work that can be done remotely for sure. No, I think it's a, it's a good option here. And I hope yeah, it will be a 
to be um, yeah decided if I can say that it will be the norm for for manufacturers and for notified bodies. Okay, so uh, really thank you for 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 this. I think yeah the the, the this was really uh, helping a lot. Um, and uh, I suppose that yeah if people wants to um, know more about Tufsud, they go to tufsud.com and then they have more information about it. Uh, and yeah, as usual, if you want to get uh, to be a, uh, a notified body auditor, don't hesitate. I think Tufsud has also some open positions uh, that uh, and. And notified bodies in general needs uh, auditors, so needs you, so don't hesitate to go and contact them directly. Okay, so um, Dr. Van Han, so thank you, um, and uh, I I hope yeah we'll have maybe another discussion about another topic about notified bodies. But yeah, this one was really great. So thank you very much, and I wish you a nice day. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much. 